0: Hello and welcome to the CityWire well Wealth Manager podcast. Today I spoke with Andy Steele, Chief Executive of James Hambron Partners. Andy started the business in 2009 after a 15 year stint at Joe Hambro, so he's no stranger to market shocks and running a business under challenging circumstances. James Hambro started shortly after the last financial crisis. So, what are your thoughts on the difference with the one we're sort of seeing now?
1: Well, I think um, I think of course we've got the the obvious thing, which is that we're all having to get used to a new working and operating model at the same time as having to deal with a very complex economic and investment background. So. I think having to deal with both of those things at one time is an obvious difference. Um, I think also the fact that um, some people are understandably worried not just about the the economy and their investment portfolios but also their overall health and, and livelihood I think is, is another big factor in people's mindset. Um, I'd say one of the other key differences however is that governments have responded much quicker and perhaps learned some lessons from 2008-9. But I think the thing that's perhaps common across both 2008-9 is that is that clients need their advisors probably more than ever. Um, I think you know they need us uh, as they did in 2008-9. I think the response this time has been has been slightly different insofar as there was quite a lot of um, panic amongst financial institutions in 2008-9. In um, we saw a lot of uh, advisors being made redundant or let go. And maybe we'll see a wave of that during this. But we certainly, it hasn't had quite the same feel insofar as I think people are um, genuinely trying to um, to support their clients at this time. And it, it sort of, um, it's when they need us
0: more than ever. And you say specifically there needs to be more help for your clients um, than in the past crises. Why is that? Is that because everyone's affected, not not just financial institutions?
1: I think exactly that. I mean, you know, this is across the board. I mean, you know, governments have effectively shut down economies, and everybody, you know, I, I think there's virtually nobody that's been untouched by by this current situation. Uh, whereas, to a degree, in two thousand eight nine, you could see perhaps greater, uh, you know, uh, there were it was less widespread, shall we say. Um, okay. Whereas here, I think everybody, and when you overlay that concern about your own health as well. Um, you've got a double fear factor, which means that you're not just concerned about the economic well-being of you and your family. You're you're also worried about underlying health issues, uh, as well as just you know the sheer dislocation of not being able to see family and loved ones. So those are all things that add to the stress at a time when you know people are uh, making huge sacrifices.
0: And on, on a practical level, how have Health concerns come into your conversations with clients. Is there maybe the, you know the worries over whether they're going to perhaps die and putting in more stringent estate planning measures? What what kind of actual practical conversations have you had around health with your clients?
1: Yeah, there's there's been some of that. Although I think it's fair to say that that because we we have the sort of joint financial planning and investment management capability, a lot of those. Plans will have been discussed in advance, so a lot of it has actually been spending time with clients, reassuring them that their plans, you know, the plans they've made are are perfectly in place and adequate. Um, and, and actually, it's been reassuring them that that you know the, the liquidity they have is, is sufficient to see them through, you know, hopefully even the, the the deepest crisis. And then making sure that they're comfortable and and confident that that we've you know uh, assisted them appropriately. So. A lot of it's being on the end of the phone, um, making sure uh, that, that they understand where they're positioned, making sure that, that we're there to assist with any questions, and, and to a large degree, being a reassuring, um, uh, a reassuring element in an otherwise incredibly uncertain time.
0: So looking at the business, looking at James Hambro as a business, how hard is this pandemic going to hit you? How m- much of a hit are you going to take on your revenues? Um, and, and what cost-cutting measures have you put in place?
1: Well, you know, to, in, in any business where revenues are to at least a, a, a large but not complete degree uh, related to assets under management, um, then clearly there's going to be an impact on revenues. Um, I think what, how how big that impact is remains to be seen as to whether the, the shape of this recovery and, and whether it you know whether it plays out into a long L shape uh, process or whether we get some things quicker. What I can say is that, you know, J&P's AUM is still higher uh, as we sit here today than it was at the same point last year. So we've gone into this crisis, at, 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 you know, at the, the best kind of shape that we've ever been in as a business in terms of revenues, profitability. A year end is April. And despite what we're seeing now, um, we will almost certainly finish the year, you know, with our best ever year. So, if, if there was ever going to be a time uh, to face a crisis like this, then then fortunately for us, we, we go into it uh, in our best health ever.
0: So last year you had pre-tax profits of eight point six million, and you're looking you're expecting to expand on that this year.
1: Yes, absolutely. Obviously, we've we've no idea exactly where markets are going to finish in April, but in terms of, of, of revenues revenue so far this year, we look to be marginally ahead of that of that number. Uh, and that the majority of that will will flow to the bottom line um uh which means that as i say we we may well choose to you know hold some of that back in and not distribute some of that profitability which is which is uh something as a partnership we've got the flexibility to do very quickly um but what it does mean is that we haven't had um to you know to to look at more extreme measures of of cost reduction we haven't um, we haven't had to furlough staff. We haven't had to um, make uh, headcount reductions and we haven't had to uh, reduce salary levels. So, you know, from that perspective, we're very, we're very fortunate to be in the position we're in. Uh, we've, we've always had a very conservative approach to the balance sheet. Um, and as I say, we'll being a partnership, we will probably hold back profit distribution this year to build a contingency in case things uh, get considerably worse from here. Um, but we're very, very focused on making sure that that we come out of of, of this uh, crisis in in good shape, uh, making sure the team is all together, uh, so that we can take advantage of, of the opportunities that I think will arise.
0: I assume one casualty will be um, the amount of new client inflows, and and how much were you really expecting without this pandemic um, coming into your business? Um, and I presume this is going to be something that is, is is quite a significant effect on the business over the next couple of months.
1: That's a really interesting question because you know in our contingency planning we we've actually uh, you know assumed zero in in terms of new client uh, inflows or or inflows from existing clients during that period um, to make sure that you know financially we we can weather that uh, uh, particular storm if it if indeed. Comes uh, and indeed our contingency planning has, has, has looked at various market scenarios of, of being significantly down from where we are. Um, but it's quite interesting. It, first of all, you know I'm, I'm delighted that whatever scenario we've plotted so far, the business remains profitable and able to able to weather that storm. But secondly, we are actually seeing clients taking advantage of this situation. I think there are some clients who feel um, that having sat with cash for some time that. That this may be an opportunity to actually um, to to put that cash to work. So, whereas we had uh, and to a certain extent do expect a uh, certainly a, a lower year in terms of assets under management coming into the business, at the same time we are absolutely seeing clients taking uh, advantage at this time, which was perhaps something. Um, I wouldn't, say it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's surprising, but it's something we certainly haven't um, factored into our own uh, plans. So so actually in the period since uh, since uh, we went into lockdown, we, we, we actually have continued to see positive flows uh, from clients.
0: Okay. And, and what has the performance of your portfolios been like um, during this period and, and kind of going into the buying opportunities? Where are you seeing those buying opportunities?
1: Well, look, I've... I, I think um as you know I'm not an investment manager so I'm I'm not going to um try and pick out individual um individual opportunities what I will say is that you know our process has been built around you know very very uh highly uh, high quality stock picking for companies globally but also um picking those funds where we genuinely believe they add value uh, across the board so so the combination of those two things, I think, has stood us in good stead. And certainly, relative to the market, um, we've 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 outperformed in this period, which is which is great news for our clients um, and testimony, I think, to the quality of the investment team that we've built over over the ten-year period that we've been we've been operating.
0: It'd be good to get your view on consolidation in the industry and and what you think about smaller firms and how they'll cope coming out of this crisis?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one because actually I think this, you know, whilst I, I think the natural inclination would be to suggest that smaller businesses uh, might suffer, particularly if they don't have the, you know, haven't had the IT infrastructure to uh, to manoeuvre through this this period and maintain close contact with their clients. But actually I think it will ultimately come down to the business model and indeed the management of those smaller businesses because actually one thing that's one of the things that smaller businesses have going for them is that they can be much more agile you know to implement an IT uh, solution if if a smaller business needed to can be done much more rapidly within a within a smaller business than it can in a, in a larger one so i think it really will come down to i can see those smaller firms that perhaps have a very transactional model um, may may struggle more during this period but i think those that have you know, long and deep relationships with their clients. Uh, I would like to think if they if they've invested sensibly over the period in their systems infrastructure, then um, then I would I would have thought they will come through it reasonably well.
0: But I mean, if they don't have that sizeable AUM to stomach a, a difficult period, how can they really survive?
1: it is it is going to be difficult it does depend on on the extent to which they can flex their cost base to the extent to which they can themselves you know adjust the revenues uh, under which they're they're operating uh, and there's no doubt you know those with without critical mass will could well struggle but as i say there will be some firms that are agile that are able to adjust their cost base quite quickly um, and continue to offer a, a you know, a high level of client service. So I think we'll see a split actually between those who really um, actually survive very well and do a great job for their clients during this period and those who just actually say that this is is too difficult, not not necessarily from a client perspective, but too difficult from a balance sheet and uh, operational uh, perspective to continue.
0: And do you think there are going to be any acquisition opportunities for your business coming out of this?
1: yeah I think look we, we you know on the back of having done a very successful acquisition uh once already, then we are always uh looking at potential acquisition opportunities and I think there may well be more businesses prepared to have a conversation than perhaps there were uh pre crisis but you know to be to be blunt we've always found. The cultural fit to be quite difficult um, and I'm not sure there are going to be any, uh, any more uh, culturally aligned businesses available post this than, than there were going into it. But I, I certainly, you know, we, we will be looking at every opportunity uh, with interest as, as we go through it.
0: So we're, we're going into the 10-year anniversary um, of the firm and obviously, you spent fifteen years at Joe Hambro before uh, James Hambro, and and perhaps you could explain the relationship between those two firms um, that you had over uh, over the last ten years, and how you've kind of weaned yourself off that old firm.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so Joe Hambro Capital Management is the business that that gave us the opportunity to um, to set up the James Hambro business in two thousand and nine. Um, it's a complex history, which I won't I won't bore you with in terms of, of the J.O. Hambro Group as a whole. But the, the, the fact that they effectively incubated us in 2009 meant that we had the wherewithal uh, of, of a bigger, much bigger uh, funds business. So operational systems, uh, HR, accounting, finance, etc., were already in place, which meant that we were effectively given a... a, a, a a leg up in terms of being able to start the business, uh, the private client business, uh, without having to put all of those infrastructure blocks in place. And so it was a, a huge plus. But I think actually the, the biggest plus, I'd have to say, of all of that was at that time our ability to tap into the quality of their investment, research uh, and development. And that really has laid the bedrock of how James Hamburg and partners conduct its own research and the quality and the depth of that research and I think funnily enough that that period we were we were three almost four years as part of that JHCM group albeit we were always intended you know private clients is, is a different animal to a funds business so it was always intended that we would operate autonomously but but that that institutional quality investment process became just embedded in the DNA of the business. And so as we've come out of uh, uh, and gradually um, absorbed all of those functions and, and we were effectively autonomous by 2013, really, um, as we absorbed all of those functions, those very good institutional um, disciplines have, have very much stayed in the business. And that's, mm-hmm. that's been a, a real plus for us.
0: And do you think if um, someone was starting up a new business coming out of this crisis, it would be possible without that incubation?
1: I think there are some some pretty good platform providers who who do a good job if what you want to do and the way that you want to run your clients fits into that model. Um, you know, I think if you are very UK centric, for example, then. Uh, both in terms of your client base, but also your your investment outlook, then I think there are platforms that can help you uh, establish yourself to that degree. But I think to build a business of real depth, uh, with the sort of you know, if I look back ten years, we've incrementally built the business by adding good teams, good people, um, and we've we've grown a global investment capability. I, I look back now and, and think it certainly would be harder. If we were trying to do it over the next 10 years, then, then, it, then it has been to do it over the 10, uh, 10 prior years.
0: You've recently um, put quite a bit of money um, into InvestCloud, um, so bolstering your, your tech um, uh, capacity. Um, I know you can't specifically say how much you've spent on it, but maybe you could speak a little bit more about how that's going to change the business.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, InvestCloud is, is actually one part of, of uh, an overall upgrade to our IT infrastructure. Um, so it, it, it will be the client-facing part of uh, our investment and advisor systems, which um, I think will completely revolutionize the, uh, the way the clients are able to interact with us. I think the delivery of information to them can be much more tailored. Um, you know, we've really gone for a solution. Uh, and the reason we're spending so much money is that we wanted a solution that could be much more tailored to the client, um, rather than us deciding what the client should see. So the way that they can communicate with us through secure messaging, the way that they can receive and download information and, and, and extract that information will just be completely different. Um,
0: and has that already been rolled out?
1: No, phase one, uh, we expect to go... As I say, this is part of of, a, of an overall upgrade to our system. So uh, phase one will go live in, in the summer, in this summer. Uh, and I'm delighted that even remotely we've been able to continue progress on, on that project. Um, and phase one will go live in the summer and then there will be effectively three, three further phases at six monthly intervals as we develop each part. Um, I think it's crucial that we... That we make sure each part is bedded in and works, and is, you know, uh, embedded in the clients before before we try to uh, move on and 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 provide even even further functionality. So uh, this is a, a process that will will go on over the course of the next 18 months. Um, but I really think it will revolutionise the way that. We interact with our clients and their ability to communicate with us.
0: I, I suppose it's slightly a shame that it wasn't implemented before lockdown happened. But obviously, you couldn't you couldn't have known that. But um, have you perhaps seen a different way that clients have been interacting with you? I mean, perhaps using some of your older technology systems, um, y- using some of those channels in, in a different way.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been I've been really uh, pleasantly surprised how quickly clients have adapted. To video conferencing for example um you know our video conferencing facilities have been have been first class um, we implemented them because frankly our, our entire BCP business continuity planning was always around the scenario that we couldn't access our office and therefore this plan you know just you know and, and it certainly wasn't foresight i, I I'm not going to suggest that I saw a, a virus scenario but um but, you know, nevertheless, we were fortunate perhaps that our scenario was based around working, working remotely, particularly from home, and therefore we were able to transition quickly. But certainly the way that clients have also adapted to that mechanism and that, that methodology has been, has, been, um, has been really positive, uh, and they've been pleased to engage.
0: And that focus on video conferencing, how do you deal with some of the security concerns, especially if you're talking about sensitive material with clients?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, well, first of all, you know, all of our um, documentation to clients is, is encrypted anyway. So although the systems, yes, they they definitely uh, could do with an upgrade, the, the online portal has existed and worked very well for some time. So, so this is very much an upgrade process, not not a uh, we're not inventing the process. So, uh, clients' ability to download information in an encrypted format has been in place for some time. Over video conferencing, we've been very keen to, and and I'm sort of keen not to sort of um, mention brands, but we've been very keen to make sure that the uh, security protocols around the the video conferencing facility that we're using is is as robust as as I think you can find. So it's a specialist video conferencing uh, capability as opposed to uh, as opposed to something that's perhaps more generically available.
0: Okay, um, and and looking forward, what does the future hold for the business? Um, has it derailed any plans that you had for this year?
1: No, uh, not at all. Um, you know, you, you'll be aware that we we hired some people uh, in Leeds, um, which is which has started extremely well, um, and we uh, will be adding to the team in London along in in line with the plans that we had. I think, uh, you know, we as I said, we have a very fortunate to have a partnership model which allows us to flex the uh the the distributions that we make to partners and and therefore we can press ahead with our plans and make sure that we're really well positioned uh when the mist rises because you know people will adapt we whatever the new normal comes out as we, we will also have to adapt and uh, i think being reasonably small but with a with a, a a good balance sheet behind us allows us to continue with our growth plans. so we're we're very much making sure that we take all the prudent steps we can to to make sure that we're still in growth mode when we come out of this
0: process. Great. Andy, thank you so much for speaking to me today.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much indeed.